Game Under Repair podcast. Spectacular show today. We will be recapping the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. Then we're going to deep dive into the PGA's upcoming Netflix series. And finally, give you our rankings of our favorite golfers. Unfortunately, there was some technical issues with our recording this time, and some of the audio during our ranking segment was unable to be used. So if you hear us skipping some numbers or refer to conversations that you didn't hear, that's what's going on. We still think you will have fun with it, so let's begin. This week, the PGA Tour was at Torrey Pines, playing in the Farmers Insurance Open. Luke List defeated Will Zalatoris in a playoff. Uh, both both of them finished minus 15 through 72 holes. Some notes I had on the Luke List final round. He shot a 6-under, uh, with only one player being better than him on the day, and that was at minus 7, uh, Lonto Griffin. I also had that he finished six holes in front of the last group, which is Will Zalatoris' group. That was about 1.5 hours in front. So, and I believe he was on the range the entire time. So a lot of range time for him. And then finally, I had going into the day, he was T19. Um, it had a 0.3% chance to win going into the final round. So some good stats to start us off. And then uh, I guess his first win on tour. Uh, what did you guys think of Luke Liss? Well, he doesn't look like a golfer, that's for sure. Dude's like, dude, dude's like 37 years old, 6'3", he's got to be like 240. But he he killed the ball. He he hit, he had a great round, and I think he's from Augusta, Georgia. So he's a he's he's close, and uh, it was good. To see, it's always good to see the. Uh, I mean, point three percent chance. I guess you know in nineteenth place, he, and he shot a he shot a great round. But gosh, Zal Torres should have made that putt. You gotta make those putts when win matches, and he missed it. So yeah, probably should have made it twice. <laughs> he had yeah, two chances exactly. at that. Yep, uphill under the hole and. Missed it, so it was a bummer. I, I'm a Zalatoris fan, so it's good to see his his come up, but fell just short. I do like how we've had tournaments uh, that we've had two now, where it's come down to sudden death. I'm I'm a fan of that. Well, I think it's been interesting both t- both times. It's been par fives also, and I mean, you just had the dudes hit stone cold shots into the green. Now Hideki's was probably a lot more impressive, being you know further away with a three wood, but. I mean, that shot by Luke List, though. I mean, the fact that he walked up and tapped it in before Zalatoris even putt, I was like, all right, that's kind of kind of a baller move. Yeah, I was talking about that with Katie's dad. And I was like, you know, if, if I'm Zalatoris, I don't know how I like that guy just tapping that in. I, I figured he would have just marked it. That way, whenever he does make the putt, if Zalatoris misses, then you actually get to celebrate the putt you make. I, I think they definitely asked, right? Yeah, they talked yeah. about it. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess at that point, like if you're, Zalatoris, like, why say no when they? If he's like, "Hey, can I just finish out?" It's like, like, I don't think you'd say no in that case. But at the same time, it's kind of like you would have thought at that point that Luke List is thinking, "Hey, like, I'm gonna make this, and if if you know Will misses it, then I win." So, like, you know, get a little bit more of a celebration. But I, I don't know, worked out well. He doesn't have a lot of experience winning, so maybe that was just you know rookie rookie mistake there with the with the first one. I think it's more of a putting mistake. Um, versus a rookie mistake. Every time Zalatoris is in the backswing of his putt in the takeaway and then trans transitions to the follow through in the putt, it looks like he like he like gets hit by lightning. Like his putter moves 
away or towards him by like two or three inches. Like it's like a jerking motion. And man, I mean, it just, it doesn't happen on long putts. It's like a little, the yips on like anything 10 feet and under. And it was crazy to watch. Just like they'd zoom in on it. The TV would every time you want to just, I don't know. It was like giving me a heart attack every time he was hitting it. Hit it off the toe, hit it off the heel. It like you, you never knew. He didn't do it on the last, on the last putts on eighteen. It didn't happen, but it was like, what the heck? Uh, it was cool. I like it when the playoff goes with two people who haven't won before. Um, I think that's a cool experience, and especially someone who's young and then a journeyman like PGA Tour player. Um, it's kind of cool that they could say, hey. My first win was like in a playoff, but another note is uh, Jason Day is back. I'm declaring him back. It might be early, but I just want to believe that he's back. And also, his son is now like looks like he's a freshman in college since the last time we saw him. Yeah, I think that's how long he's been gone. Is it's yeah, dash, <laughs> two, two decades like, have passed somehow in the in the Day family. Dude, social media was like going crazy when Dash was on the screen, and they were like wait, what? This kid, like, was barely walking last time we saw him. Now he's, like, taller than his dad. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure really what it is about Jason Day, but honestly, I've seen him at the top of the bo- leaderboard. I also was kind of pulling for him to win out of everybody on that last day. I mean, obviously, he fell a little short, but I, and I guess I, I was kind of thinking, like, I don't really know why. Like, I don't think there's anything specific about Jason Day that I'm, like, drawn to, but for some reason... You know, seeing him back and competing, I was like, "All right, that's him. That's him going for this week." I like seeing him up there. He always competes, and he's always a fun character to follow around as well. He's got a good personality. Also, I read um, this was like a couple years ago about his like gamesmanship strategy, and like there's certain things he does in a round with people he's playing that he does every single tournament just to get in their head. If you watch him, he's always walking in front of the other players in his threesome or twosome. There's like certain things he does. Like he wants people to walk behind him. So they always feel like they're chasing him like subconsciously and stuff. And I just crack up at it because it's just like, it's, I don't know. He's just playing these like, these like mind games. games. Yeah. No, I saw that too. I was like, all right, that's a, that's a move right there. I like that. I think I've been a, I've been a day fan since he had a, uh, since the U.S. Open and like it was in the Pacific Northwest, Washington. It was the one everyone hated because the greens were like speed twenty-seven million, and they were like dead. I can't. Remember. It was the one DJ lost it on like eighteen. Um, when he had vertigo and was like that a, he was leading was that and got hit. Yeah, I think it was Wingfoot. I can't remember. They haven't been back. Yeah, keep going. I'll look it up for you. When he had vertigo and like he was leading through two rounds, and then Saturday and Sunday he was like barely able to walk down the fairway, but he was still like top ten on the leaderboard. So that was, I mean, I've had vertigo before and it sucked. So I couldn't imagine like trying to swing and stay balanced or not nauseous. Oh, I think it's Chambers Bay. Oh yeah, Chambers Bay. That was it. Yeah, I think this is another sneaky, sneaky top top five finish for for john rom there like i don't i mean obviously he played good all weekend obviously I, you know he was i believe at one point the favorite to win uh going into the last day or during the last day and something pretty crazy was two of his wins at tory 
Uh, he birdied 17 and then was birdie or better on 18. He had one birdie and one eagle in his two wins. And then this, and then today he birdied, birdied 17. I think a lot of people who were familiar with that style were like, oh, oh man, here we go again. But I guess ultimately just, you know, 18 proved to be a little bit tougher today. Those, those top guys really weren't scoring well on 18 today. I think, you know, you had a, a lot of pars from the final few groups. And then obviously Luke List hit the birdie to win it. But, you know, beyond that, it was, you know, a lot of pars on 18 today. Well, no one really had good drives off on 18 to put themselves in position. Yeah, I'm not sure what it was. I definitely feel like 18, I don't, maybe it is a hard driving hole. I don't remember it being that hard of a driving hole, but it definitely, definitely didn't seem like anybody was giving themselves a great chance in, into 18 uh, in those last three or four groups. I think it was, it was playing so long and difficult that you had to drive or otherwise you were guaranteeing you could only get there in three. But in the end, people were only getting there in three because they were hitting the rough and the course set up with the long rough, especially on Sunday, was just, it was, it was nice to see. I enjoyed the course setup. I think it rewarded you if you kept the ball in the fairway or the first cut. But the rough was like, it was killer. It was like four inches to start the week. They said on Sunday it was like four and a half inches long. So, well, I took over social media for the final round. and. The whole time they kept talking about how Zalatoris added an inch to his driver and like, oh my God, he's like bombing it up there with the, with the like top guys on tour. And he's like 175 pounds, like, and then he couldn't hit the fairway when he needed to. Like, I think the last five holes he pulled his driver out, he didn't hit one fairway. Yeah, I saw, I saw that stat. <laughs> Over. Over five on fairways on the last five, and then also I think he had like zero birdies in his last twelve holes or something like that. Yeah, it's like okay, yeah, an inch on the driver, big whoop. But like, if you can't hit the fairway when it counts, I don't know how much like an extra ten yards really benefits pros. I was gonna say, how much is the difference in the yardage there really mattering? I I don't know. It just like they just kept talking about it and. It's like, I mean, it's every weekend with broadcast, but I think especially with, I don't know, just the last couple of years, Nick Faldo has just like started rubbing me the wrong way personally, just listening to his broadcast because he says some ridiculous things. Like he tries to make up all these analogies and, and like sayings, but I don't think he, he just pulls them out of thin air. Yeah, but he got that, uh, he got that bullshit uh, quarterback sneak. I like. <laughs> Oh my god! I don't know. I, I was like, that's, that's the type of stuff that's going to embolden him even more. It's like because oh, I was like, wait, okay, he was kind of right there. Like I, I don't think it was in the spirit of what he was saying, but I was like, all right. He's kind. He kind of got that one right. Yeah, that was just he got lucky with that. But now people are like, oh geez, he's going to keep doing it. Yeah, I just I think it it just re- it rewarded the golfers who could hit good shots. I think the greens were really good. People who could put spin on the ball, you got rewarded. But if you didn't put spin on the ball and rolled through the green, they didn't really have that much fringe. So it was, um, there were some chips. I mean, Jordan Spieth had one on Sunday that I saw. There was like a span of like five minutes. Because he didn't make the cut. Or, uh, sorry, what? Well, and Sunday, they didn't have a round. But um, (laughs) Thursday, Thursday, I was watching. They had like a span of five minutes and it was like seven golfers had chips off the green and they all duffed them short into the rough. Like didn't even make it out of the rough. It was like yeah. Spieth, 
freaking Horschel had one. It was like back to back to back. And I was like, man, it must be brutal to try to chip. Yeah, I thought, well, definitely with that long rough, I guess I don't, I'm not entirely sure how much it affected Bryson, but I know, I think he, he didn't withdraw, but he definitely was dealing with that wrist injury that from a couple weeks ago. And it seemed, seemed worse on the second day than the first. Not sure if the rough was the factor that caused that or made it worse, but I definitely know by the end of that round, it was like, I kind of just wanted Bryson to withdraw after a couple, like, I think by the time he got to the back nine, I was like, all right, man, like I get your plan, but like, why? Like every single time he hit the ball, I just grabbed his wrist right away. Yeah. Bryson, when he's playing really, when he's hitting the ball, well, his, he, you can tell in his body language, but man, when he, when he starts playing bad, he 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 doesn't. He, you can just tell he, it starts affecting his game and his mental, and so yeah, you could definitely tell once his wrist started hurting. He he found. I mean, he was spraying the drive. I mean, it was it was tough to watch him play. And I mean, he hang he hung in there for a, a while, but but yeah, he's just one of those guys. Yeah, his personality type is like I don't I don't want to just assume that he's bl- like he's finding a reason why he's not playing good, right? Like you know, I don't think he was necessarily trying to like sell the wrist injury per se, but. Like you kind of gotta wonder with him sometimes with what he does. It's like, all right, how much of how much of it is that the wrist is causing the bad play, or how much of it is that the bad play is causing you know him to be kind of you know flamboyant about what's going on with his wrist? Yeah, the one shot I saw that I was like, I think his wrist might actually be bothering him is he was in the bunker and he was trying. He played like a bump and run shot out of the bunker, like he couldn't open the club face and hit through the sand, and I was like. And the commentators like noted it, and I was like, "Man, that's just like he needed to play like a high sand shot, but he tried to play like a low bump and run." And I was like, "That just seems like it." It seemed to me like there was a there was a reason he had to do that. But yeah, I don't think this course was was meant for Bryson because all the fairways were pretty. Like I think the widest fairway was thirty yards. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely playing tight this weekend. Yeah, I think someone who didn't adjust well to that was, I would say, Ricky. Like, that was one of my, like, I would say one of my big disappointments. I'm a some decently big Ricky fan, but, you know, watching him uh, shoot pretty well on, on day one. Now, I think he was on the north, cor- north course first, so I think that was the easier of the two this weekend. But I, I believe it was 10 shots worth on the second day and, you know, didn't make the, didn't make the cut, obviously. And one of the things I was, you know, looking, I guess he's he's in a swing change right now. Which, you know, I, I guess if that's what he feels like he needs to do to to get back to where he wants to be, like that's you know, that's on on his decision. But you know, knowing that now it's like I'm I'm probably gonna take any type of Ricky Fowler success with a grain of salt because it, it kinda looked like and you could kinda see it in day two that whatever swing thought or swing feel he had from day one wasn't there at all and it just really wasn't a good day for him and obviously you know, missed the cut because of it, so I'm gonna say you know like Ricky, but I'm I'm definitely selling any stock I had on him you know finishing high this this year. Yeah, his swing looked a little herky jerky this past weekend. I could notice like a little hitch at the top of his swing. Yeah, he said he was trying to slow it down. Like I, I guess his, I don't know what his tendency was before, but I I believe it was you know kind of a faster jerkier swing, and I think now it's he's talking about trying to slow it down and make it feel like it takes forever to get to the top of his swing. So. I don't know if that's just exaggerating the the motion that was already there or or what, but it's yeah, it definitely didn't look comfortable. And as he was getting tested on on that south course, you could really see his swing start to fail and his golf game kind of fell apart. 
But I watched the tournament with my, I guess, in-laws. Um, and there were little kids watching. And every comment they made were about how tight pants are. Like, people wear their pants on tour. So I think we may need to change that a little bit, maybe. <laughs> my, my future in-laws said the same thing. <laughs> These, um... How yeah. tight they wear their pants? Yeah. Some of it, it's like... I ain't trying to be sus or anything, but it's like my <laughs> eyes are kind of going there just because I kind of <laughs> see something. All right, Pat, I'll admit I didn't notice it at all, so. I didn't notice it because I think it's just like the cut and style of pant, golf pant right now. So I think some of my pants are probably like that because that's like, I mean, most of the golfers are like fairly skinny. Not skinny, but like, I mean, most of them are fairly in shape. And I think that's just like the cut of pant. Yo, what do you, we're gonna see Audie in the uh, joggers this year, so that's gonna yeah, be you, the. You well, will she, not catch me doing yeah. that. I'm in, I'm in the John Daly category where y'all can wear the slim fit. I'm wearing the pantaloons, man. We're wearing pair. Audie in the joggers for his uh for his big weekend. So. Yeah, but there. I mean, there's like different style pants for different style people. So I mean, yeah, Audie wouldn't wear joggers, but that doesn't mean like. Pat wouldn't wear joggers. No, I think I think Pat's gonna start rocking the uh, the the tights with the long socks, the knickers. Oh, shout out to uh, Payne Stewart. Um, he used to wear those, and I yeah. think he was. I think today is his birthday, from what I saw on social media. I think we could talk about like attire as another segment um, coming up on a future episode, because um, I think there there'd be a lot to. I got some temperature some temperature ideas for different different style joggers joggers should be allowed if it's cold enough you should be able to wear like stylish sweats we played when it was pretty cold out this weekend and i i'm pretty sure they wouldn't have cared what we wore i think we're the only ones on the course so (laughs) i mean i wore an atlanta braves championship hoodie and cobblestone didn't care uh, you know, that statement last year would have meant that your hoodie was from, like, the 80s, so. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, we've changed it. World Series champs. It's true. And I guess speaking of championships, I guess, what do you guys think? So the, they moved the moved the tournament this week, Wednesday to Saturday, instead of, you know, the typical Thursday to Sunday to, to avoid the championship games on Sunday. I guess, what do you guys think? You guys like the Wednesday, Wednesday, Saturday? I was a fan of it. Yeah, I get to watch more during my work days. Absolutely. I think my only... My only, like, caveat, I think I liked it. I think it's a great, like, I think they should do it more often whenever there's not other sports going on. Like, I think golf ending on Saturday is, like, pretty fun. Um, I will say, though, a lot of people were like, oh, they should do this for every fall event. And I was like, all right, we have a lot of people who aren't college football fans here because I was like, there's no way that I would choose watching golf over college football on (sighs) Saturday. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, Mike. (laughs) There's no way. Yeah. Like, January, February, like, go ahead, do golf on a – on a Wednesday, Saturday, or Wednesday, Saturday basis, but I just, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a, a core group that's going to choose that over college football. I think the only, you could do it kind of like interspersed depending on what sporting event, like they may run into it this next year with the World Cup being in like November, December, but those aren't necessarily big tournaments for, for PGA. Um, but I think from from stuff I read too, like we don't have kids who are five to like fifteen. Um, but I saw a lot of people 
saying Saturday is like the day they can't watch that many sports because they have so many other sports they have to go to and doing stuff like yard work, stuff around the house on Saturdays. Sunday is the day where, where people can flip back and forth between football and golf because there is a lot of dead time and a lot of commercial space. I, I think it was the right choice for this weekend because the end of, I mean, the end of the tournament would have been at the end of Kansas City Bengals game that just happened. And it's like, yeah, everyone would have been watching AFC Championship game. I, I love I love some of my top golfers, and we're going to definitely get to that a little bit more later. But yeah. I man, I'm choosing Joey B every single time. That man, yeah, that man is captivating. It just so I think it I think it worked. I think people like you couldn't do it every week or like maybe even every month. But if you throw it in every now and then, if you realize there there is a big thing happening on Sunday, well, we don't really want to compete with that, and there's not much happening on Saturday. I think it's the 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 way to go. But I guess I guess this could transition into kind of the next segment if we want to if we want to go to that yeah go for it okay so the next segment's kind of since we're talking about viewership trying to get more people watching tournament maybe or the tournaments and and pga tour in general um the next segment is kind of bringing up the new netflix special that's that's going to be released probably it's going to be released probably next december um, November, December, probably from what I've read, it's most likely to be released like the week before Christmas this year. They're filming. So Netflix is, is the background. Netflix has linked up with the PGA tour and is doing a documentary series following 20 professional golfers throughout the whole season and their lives outside of golf. So they're following them if they have off weeks. And they're hanging out with their families and stuff. They're going to all the major tournaments. It's going to be like they have access to Augusta, the PGA of America, USGA, so US Open PGA, and the RNA is giving them full access. They have no restrictions to filming and miking up the players, as well as the players' championship. This is their. This is done by Vox Media, which was the producers of the Formula One series on Netflix, which I've watched. It's a pretty well done series, and I think it it has tremendous success in Amer- in the U.S. especially with the Formula One series that they just released. Viewership average for Formula One races in the U.S. on ESPN last year before the series was five hundred thirty five thousand, or no, three hundred fifty five thousand. Sorry, got the numbers mixed up. And this year it was over eight hundred thousand. So they increase their viewership by like half a million on average per race. Now all of that can't be they can't attribute it all to the to the Formula One series, but their Formula One executives have really done a social media push and this this series and giving drivers more access on social media and on the Formula One accounts to really promote this viewership, which I think is the PGA's idea of wanting to do something similar we kind of talked about this in our previous episode there the pga i think has to really sell the people versus the tournaments right now i think that's where sports is going and we're all in our 20s but our parents generation is very team focused and sure we have our teams and and the main ones we follow but in today's day and age with social media and being able to follow specific people 
and being able to watch games of specific individuals and highlights of specific athletes, I think the PGA needs to piggyback off that and realize they have to sell the players versus the tournaments. You can sell the tournaments, but it's only going to get you so far. It's going to get you the diehard golf people or the locals, but selling the players is where you're going to, you're going to pick up a lot of other fans. So this Netflix documentary, like I said, they're filming this whole year. They have, I think around 20 golfers right now and they have full access. So the PGA is not doing any of the editing, which I I'm excited for specifically because I don't want the PGA to cut out certain things like Netflix isn't going to post. They're going to have to edit accordingly because they want the players to keep being involved. So they're not going to like diminish the players. You know, did you, I don't know if you've already named which players are in it. Is, is John Ron in the group? In the so list John Ron's not in it. Oh man. John I hope Rahm they change that. Turned it down. Rory has turned it down. With John Rom, his, his hot mics though, if, if they're, Mic'd up a lot of players, like we might get a lot of ROM just just by accident. Yeah, so John Rom and Rory have both opted out. I think for both the exact reason that Mike just said. I think both of them have a lot of good hot mic moments. I saw on the DP uh, World Tour in Dubai, Rory had a hot mic off the tee, um, and Rom had many hot mics off the tee. So I think they're they're kind of worried about that and. For some reason, a lot the general golfing world still I don't think really likes John Rom. I, I I understand in like 2017 he was very emotional on the course, but now I think his emotion is more of the everyday golfer. Yeah, but so Rom and Rory opted out. DeChambeau opted out, but for different reasons. That was because he didn't want to steal anybody else's thunder. So very noble. Thing. Yeah, knowing so, knowing he's reached the pinnacle. Yeah, I think I think it was wrong timing for Bryson. I think he was sick of media after the Brooks Bryson thing when they were trying to get golfers on for this first season. So I just think he was like, you know what, I don't need someone twisting a story a certain way or like whether it was twisted or not. I think he was just like, I'm good not having not having myself in the media right now, which is probably smart. I think people would really like to see him on it. And in my opinion, I think it would turn people a little more from not liking Bryson to like more meh, like not good or bad about him, which is better than having people not like you. But yeah, so I'd, what do you all think? Like, if this is a good idea, um, do you think my only concern before I before I ask the question, my only concern is Formula One is like kind of foreign to the U.S., like in not in diehard racing circles, but like more foreign to the U S than golf is. So I think they picked up a lot of people who struggled to find races on actual television or know when the times were, et cetera. Um, so they picked up a lot of viewers that way and a lot of interest, whereas golf has been a mainstream sport already. So my only concern is that your viewers of the Netflix series are going to be the people who already watch golf. I don't know how many people who don't watch golf are going to watch a documentary about golfers who they know nothing about. So that, I guess that would be my question. Like, do you think that this could be a, a good way for 
PGA Tour to really reach a new audience or to maybe create a more dedicated audience who will watch golf, not just for the players, but even more so for the tournaments or vice versa? I think on that, my opinion is that it won't turn non-golf fans into golf fans. I think one of the things Formula One has going for it is that it's just really fucking cool to see how fast those drivers are going around that track. Like, the sport is just fun to watch, period. And I don't think golf has that same appeal. Now, where I do see it, I think it could definitely strengthen the base a little bit. Like, I think there's, I think it depends on what they focus on, right? Like, we see a lot of golf shots already, uh, you know, day in and day out. And I don't know that if they have a documentary where they just show me golf shots from a year ago that I'm going to care as much. But, like, something that would be really interesting is, like, getting access to inside the lives of these people outside of, you know, you're just seeing them play in the round, right? So I think there's been a lot less work done there. And so I guess for me, I would say for the PGA Tour, this would be more of a strengthening their their fan base that they already have versus growing the new fan base. Yeah, so one of the notes about the series is it's not going to be recapping a lot of the tournaments and a lot of the the shots per se because the PGA owns all that footage etc so they have permission to use a certain amount it'll it's more so following like mike said what what we want which is following the players and the storylines which is what the formula 1 series did well so i think that's where there there might be a little hope of of getting new interest in golf if there were a storyline like obviously i don't want one of the golfers who's in the story to like lose a parent or anything but like if that does happen and someone were to go win a tournament like the next week like that would be i think something that the series would be able to highlight and potentially get new individuals to watch um like last year when rom had to um, drop out of a tournament while leading because of COVID and then come back the next week and win a tournament. Like that would be perfect to, to try to get someone new interested in golf. You're following, you heard about this on Twitter that this golfer was leading by eight shots and had to drop out. And then you kind of forget about it. And then the next week he wins. And now a couple months later, you can then kind of see what was going through his head and like what he had to do during that week to like test negative and like come back and like how that happens so i think that could that could lead to some very interesting storylines yeah i think one of my concerns i was going to voice but now i'm kind of changing my mind on it is that i was thinking waiting till the end of the year might be problematic like that might just be too long to wait for me to still be invested in some of the stuff that happened early in the year but i think that kind of your point some of those events, some of those moments might take a while to materialize and you won't know their true scope or the ramification of certain moments until you're, you know, in the future looking back. So I think I kind of going to change my change my thought there and, and say that it probably does make sense for it to be at the end of the season, you know, once it's all kind of played out and they can really sculpt the narratives based on the entirety of the year and, and pick the paths that make the most sense. Yeah, they wanted to go through the FedEx Cup championship because then they could depending who wins that if it's one of their golfers like there'll be it'll probably be a little the last couple episodes more heavy on that golfer of how how they had to think about week to week the line getting cut down to 30 
I mean, that would be like ideal case for this document or document like this series is if one of the golfers in their list wins wins the FedEx Cup, right? Because then they they have it all. That's everything they need to you know tell a good story. Yeah, Brooks also Brooks Kepka is like on the verge. I don't think he's decided. I think he will though. He better after he dyed his hair blonde. We got to know <laughs> why. So we just, I think he lost his fantasy football league. And that would be awesome if it was in the documentary that he dyed his hair blonde because he lost his fantasy football league. I know that's on our list of punishments going forward after seeing how well that turned out for him. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, there's a lot of things to, to look at. I think, I think there will be some footage that gets released by the, by Vox, who's doing the documentary throughout the season that they may include in the documentary to get people uh, interested in it. So I think it could be, I think it's going to definitely be fun to watch, especially being golf fans and being able to follow. I think there's a lot of, there's some, there's some golfers that are going to be really fun to watch. And I think is a good time to watch them. Like Victor Hovland just won. He's won four out of his last five tournaments after today, which is like, or four out of his last 15, sorry, which is kind of incredible. I think Max Homa is in it, which I think we've already kind of kind of talked about him before with social media type stuff. So hopefully that will that will help him as well. And Morikawa's in it. I think uh, uh, Fowler, Tommy Fleetwood, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, like Dustin Johnson is going to be in it. So there's there's a wide range of, of personalities which I think will will make it a lot of fun. I think the best comp I could have for this is if they can do something as good as Free Solo, which was that climbing documentary, if you're not familiar. Yeah. But if they can do something as good as that and tell a story as good as they did in that one, I would say that would be like a home run because I am not a huge fan of climbing, not a, not a fan of heights at all, actually, to be completely honest. And I like, I've watched that three or four times just because, like, yeah, it's pretty sick. And they do such a good job of telling a full story there. What I'm hoping it's not like, my last point, what I'm hoping this uh, documentary from Netflix is not like is how Hard Knocks has been like the last five seasons. Hard Knocks, NFL, HBO version, I think they're just, I I don't think HBO really wants to keep doing it, but I think that, I think Roger Goodell really wants to keep doing it, and I think it shows. And I just hope it, it gives us some, some of the more of the stories versus just like, highlighting the massive players on tour which i want them to highlight those that are in there's the 20 but i think by including some golfers who are not in the like top 10 in the world it's going to provide some some more fans and good good storylines yeah well and as we're talking about you know access to golfers and getting more access into these you know potentially the lives of some of these pros you know we it got us thinking a little bit about you know who are our favorite golfers to watch and you know who do we like to watch the most so i'm gonna i'm gonna run through my top five real quick um so i got a tie for fifth i got adam scott jason day the aussies um i just like the way they talk to be honest i, I like i i like their demeanor on the course i think i think i've liked adam scott because i don't know i i can just relate to his putter woes and then he didn't have putter woes and he won the Masters. And then now he's got putter woes because they got rid of the anchored putter. Um, but I just feel like he's also just kind of been consistent. Like 
he has times where he's really good, times where he's not so good, and it kind of relates to my game. There's like a month or two where I'm playing really well, and all of a sudden you just lose it. So, um, but I like them at fifth. Fourth was Tiger. Um, he would have been higher, but he just, I mean, he hasn't been playing that much because he's been injured and stuff. And I mean, obviously, if he's playing, everyone's going to watch. But I, I think I would watch the tournaments regardless of if Tiger is playing or not. So I think that's the that's why he was four. Number three was Morikawa. Colin, just younger guy, hits his irons really well. I think he's very personable. He's got a great smile. Um, he interacts with people really well. And I think he's he's one of the fresh faces, even younger than Spieth and, and JT, that that will be in on tour for a long time. Um, number two, Don Rom. I just like when he gets mad on course because I feel like it's very relatable. And he doesn't really play like anybody else's style of golf. His very short backswing because of his limited ankle mobility because he had his so if you didn't know, his right ankle was fused when he was a baby. So he like can't flex it, um, which is why he has a short backswing. But um, I just like Rom ever since he came on tour and was like cussing all over the place. It's just funny. And number one, for no other reason than his long locks of dark brown hair and his weird Nike shirts that he wears, Tommy Fleetwood. I've just always liked Tommy Fleetwood. I I don't know what I can really tell you. I think when I started sports betting, um, responsibly, got us put in responsibly. All win 800 gambler. Fleetwood always has like very tempting odds to win a major before every season. Like between 25 and 45 to one. And you're like, man, this could be the year that he's going to pull out a major. Like he's up there. He, he always finishes top 10, at least one major every year. And he hasn't done it yet, but I always drop like a dollar or two for him to win every major every year. Cause I mean, if it pays out 45 to one, it's like, I was a genius. That's one of those pour out a dollar for Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah, exactly. There's like no other reason other than like, he has very tempting odds to win majors that are like borderline. Like you're not going to put a lot of money, but also you, if you put a dollar, you still come out for good. And I just love how he just, his hair is so long and no other golfer really has hair like that long on tour. Maybe like Angel Jimenez, Pat Perez. I will comment on Sam's number one on Tommy Fleetwood that you have to put an asterisk because I think Francesco Molinari did a package deal with him because I think one of the most hilarious things was the last Ryder, not this past Ryder Cup, but the last one where they were teammates and like the storyline was just like they were inseparable and Connor Moore sketches just does those impersonations so well, but it's just hilarious. Every time I think of those two, they're always, I always think of those, those two guys together when either one of their names are mentioned. My comment's going to be that my betting is irresponsible because I picked Tiger to win the Masters this year, so... Got some decent odds on that as well, but unlikely to happen. Yeah, uh, but I, I'll go ahead and finish out rounding on my top five. So I, I said my five, number five was Morikawa. For me, number four is Ricky. Um, for me, I just I just love the commitment to the brand, right? The the color orange, you know, the Ricky Fowler orange. He he wore that for way too long. It looked terrible his whole career, but he was committed to it and you know playing good golf when he was wearing it. So maybe you should go back to the long hair you know, Orange Rock and Ricky Fowler, but we'll see. Uh, third for me was was Rory. 
for me, this one, this is going to sound bad, but I just love a good commercial. So he and Tiger have that Nike commercial. I was like, all right, that was amazing commercial. So I've been a fan. Uh, and then my number one, you know, I'll let anybody on here try to guess my number one. I'm sure everybody can get it pretty quickly. Patrick Reed. Yeah, Patrick Reed. No, Tiger Woods. Uh, I guess for me, that's just, I mean, to me, that's the face of golf. That is the game of golf. So, you know, I, I know it's no surprise for everyone here, but I'm a, you know, huge Tiger stand, and, you know, he'll always be the number one, no matter if he's playing or not for me. So that's cute. I'll, uh, I'll run up my top five. At four, uh, I had Tony Finau. I, I love his attitude and um, what he brings to the game. A long hitter, pretty likable guy. Want want him to see want to see him win so bad consistently, but there's just so many good guys out there right now. And but he comes in at number four. Matt Kuchar at number three. Kuchar's kind of fell off the off the off the boat recently, but I love hearing the Kuch chants from the crowd when when he when he hits. And it's just so funny when when he hits a bad shot. I, I've another guy I saw play at the Heritage a few years ago. He it's just he's so different. He his his bad word is shucks. He likes to throw that one out there. It's just funny because he's he's a great golfer and he's in a little slump. I feel like that's the uh, the Andrew Luck school of trash talking. That's where Matt Kuchar. Likes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to see him get pushed around by somebody, or you know, but he uh, he he's pretty level headed. And then earlier I had speed that one, but my number two is Max Homa purely for the social media. I mean, I think seventy percent of that facts in the social media side. Um, with him bashing people's swings and and just his timely tweets, he's hilarious, and uh, he's always a guy I read for when I, when I see him on the leaderboard, and just obviously for his social media presence. But he, he's going to round out my uh, top five already um, with Audi. I have to speed that one. All right. Well, I was I was going to go back to Sam's note about Tommy Fleetwood, and for some reason, he always pops in my mind as one of the better par three players. Um, just on a consistent basis, because I think he also has a lot of aces. But I was looking at his scoring performance for this season alone, and I know it's early on, but so far he's first on the tour in par 3 scoring average at 2.86 strokes. He's also good on par 5s. He's 25th with uh, 4.46. But just a a nice note there on Mr. Tommy Fleetwood. But for my top 5, I have a couple of the same as y'all. for number five, this is going to be completely different than anyone else, but I have Wesley Bryan. He is a home kid from Armo, South Carolina. I went to high school with him, as did Sam and Mike, but he is just hilarious. I don't know if y'all follow the Bryan Brothers golf account on YouTube, I mean, all the social media channels, but his brother George has been doing a great job of following Wesley around on the tour, just putting all their stuff out on social media and really giving you the, the inside look of how everything works as a tour player, but Wesley Bryan's up there. He's got a great personality as well. He's hilarious. Four, I have Hovland. I think he's just a well-crafted player. He's very fun to watch. Three, I have Phil, and I'm surprised no one else had Phil on there, but he's just crafty. He's fun to be around. He's hilarious on the course. Of course, he hits the bombs. He's a lefty. He hits the flop shots when he doesn't need to. He's just awesome. Number two is Rom. Everybody else had him as well. And then one, I had Spieth. All right, Pat, hit us with your top five. All right. So mentioned earlier, speed number five, just like the way he plays, just being able to shape his shots. I have Rory at four because 
that swing is just pure and it's sexy. I'm trying to copy it, so wish me luck on that. Number three, I would have put Tiger here, but he hasn't played in a while, so it's hard for me to put Tiger. But so I have Hatton on number three. I just love seeing him and his antics. I love I love watching him rage. It's funny. Um, number two is Kepka. I just think we have a lot in common. We're both big, buff, hit bombs, <laughs> blonde hair. So it's my dude. Yeah. That's that's how I describe you whenever I tell people about you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And then number one, Morikawa. Gotta rep the half Asian. But in all seriousness, like in all the seriousness, Asian who is who is big, buff, blonde, and hits bombs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's um just the way that he plays. I just it's fun to watch. It kind of reminds me of Tiger minus the bombs, like the old two thousand Tiger. So. Yeah, that's my top five. Save the best for last, like always. Yeah, as a last note, I will tell whoever's listening, um, it doesn't mean we don't like golfers who weren't in our top five. Yeah, the the way that I thought about it was if I could pick my perfect featured group for, for like a Thursday round, like who is it going to be? Yeah. And like that's that's kind of exactly. and Exactly. Like, love a lot of the other guys. You know, if, if this was the top 50, I'd still be able to fill it with 50 guys probably, but got to rank them somewhere. <laughs>